Everybody, who everyone is the Drunkenness Sort of podcast brought to you by the Launchpad Media. Go to www.thelaunchpadmedia.com for all your fine podcasting needs. And look, we know none of our stuff is up there right now. We uh, it's been like a month since something went up. There's some issues going on that are none of our business to talk about. It's getting resolved. We've talked through it. Uh, it'll be fine. Just give us a couple more weeks and you'll start seeing our stuff up there. You can go check out our stuff on YouTube anyway, or here, or Anchor. Go to Anchor and give us money, or subscribe start because we're broke. Or both. Or both, yes. If you want to do both, that'd be awesome. Uh, so, we want to talk about something real quick before we jump into this episode. All right, good, because I haven't done the, what I'm supposed to do yet. Yeah, hurry up. Uh, here's the deal, everyone. Oh, I'm making my camera do weird things. <laughs> um, we are trying to put on a lot of events, and those events reach non-libertarians. We've already, our podcast has already brought several people that I know of who were not political or not libertarian into our party. And, you know, this is what we do. Uh, I would like, what's up, John? Uh, I would like to increase that and expand that in order to do that we need a little bit of money so that we can upgrade gear and things like that that is what the money goes to right now we're not making any money off of this we're banking money so that we can upgrade equipment <laughs> that's where we're at please help us out uh help us afford these events and uh get more people active and involved um i don't know what the other states are doing but right now in nebraska we have over one percent registered libertarians and I'm, like our podcast isn't why that's happening, but a couple people it is, and that's important. So, without further ado, I'm going to mute Dre. Have fun. Hey everyone. So uh, sorry, I had to skip out last Thursday. Uh, we've been having a minor um, involved. Um, what is going on? States are doing, but right now Nebraska. We have uh, who's? Does anyone have sound playing? Sorry, sorry. Oh, right. It's usually me, but it wasn't tonight. Tonight it wasn't it's me. It's my it's fault. Sorry. So we were having a slight, you know, um, plumbing issue with the cat toilet, and everyone was curious about what the fuck a cat toilet is. Look up um, cat genie, and you will seriously love life if you never have to scoop again. I literally replace cartridges and these granules every once in a while. These are like little pellets that are made out of silicone or plastic or something. Anyway, the whole thing cleans itself cleaning and you hook it up to uh, your water return and your washing machine in your laundry room. Or some people hook it up to their toilet, but ew. Anyway, so we're trying to figure out what the fuck the issue is with that. We replaced a sensor. We, you know, propped up a tube that we thought was clogged. It's not fucking clogged. We replaced the washer, so who knows? Anyway. Best three hundred bucks you'll ever spend if you have two cats. <laughs> it will work. Um, literally, just takes care of everything. You don't have to do anything but replace cartridges. <laughs> Unless it breaks. Hmm. Unless it breaks. Unless it breaks. Yeah. And then every night you're like, "Why is it beeping? What's that code mean?" Shit. All right. The cats are like, the cats, the cats eating a laundry basket the other day while it was uh, while we were working on it. At least, oh, yummy. You know, that's at least you rinse it out in the tub, you know, at least it wasn't on the carpet because cat pee, whoo, that's awful. The worst. Anyway, so I will, uh, that is my whole issue why I had to skip out last Thursday and what's still fucking going on. But uh, if you have any questions on cat toilet, let me know. Other than that, we got that remote control. Oh, it's right here. This remote control car that it's like, um, it's like an air vacuum on the bottom and it comes with this remote control. Um, Until Dre breaks it. Yeah. Just the back. <laughs> so anyway, I haven't got to use it yet. John's been using it cause it's super cool. It goes on the wall. It sticks to the wall and you can do we like circles and shit. Oh my God. Anyway. Yeah. I saw it on Facebook. It says, do you know someone who might want this for Christmas? And I'm like me, I do. <laughs> I want a new drone, but I want one with a really decent Wi-Fi camera. Oh yeah, that because, would make it worthwhile. Yeah. Well, when I when I say that, I know there are people going like, "Who do you want to spy on?" I live on acreage and I have livestock, and I don't always want to have to fucking go out in shitty weather and cold and check fences and check shit. Oh my God. And, what a um, great use of a drone! 
right? Well, and because, rural. yeah, check out my animals. And because it's rural, right? And anybody in a rural area in rural America who's watching, um, rural equals um, the, the destination for future meth cooks. That's just the reality. This is where these people go because that's where they want to set up shop. And then, like, if you want to blow yourself up, cool, but don't take out my barn when you do it. Like, fuck. And it happens because drugs are illegal. And the same thing happened with alcohol prohibition, gambling mm -hmm. prohibition, drug prohibition, I mean, marijuana prohibition, everything. Prohibition never works. It always has the same effect. It increases crime. You get an illegal black market traffic. And mm -hmm. it's, it's the same routine every time they tried it in the Soviet Union. They've tried it. I mean, they've tried it everywhere and it's been a complete disaster everywhere. Prohibition didn't work in the Garden of Eden for fuck's sake. It didn't work when God tried it. I, I don't know what the fuck we're trying. I'm fairly okay. certain that the whole point of Genesis and Exodus is to teach us that government doesn't work. Right? All right, so I'm going to welcome our guest, uh, state New Hampshire State Representative uh, Max Abramson. Welcome to our show, sir. Uh, you're you. one of our top commenters. It's nice to have you on the show and have a conversation. It's good to be here. Nice to have you. So what are you up to these days? Usually I have a chance to talk to our guests prior but um, and ask a couple things you want to talk about. And I am so sorry I have not had the chance to do that with you. But I don't think I booked you, so it's kind of not my fault. Well, we're just uh, winding down the legislative se uh, uh, season for uh, introducing bills. September 20th was the deadline. And uh, I've, of course, put in bills on uh, ballot access for the Libertarian Party. Of course, it's not just the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire. It's all the third parties in New Hampshire. Um, I've, of course, I've got bills in to repeal laws. Uh, you can't go hunting with a a ferret in New Hampshire, so I have a little <laughs> feel that. Yeah, you, you can't have a you can't have a ferret in your possession. I had a bill. I need to back. I need to back this up because every rule or law does exist because someone did something stupid at some point. <laughs> Do you know the story behind why you can't take a ferret hunting? Because I really no, need to know I this. really want to know that, but I have a feeling it might be in the Darwin Awards somewhere. <laughs> So look, in, in all fairness, though, before people start like trashing New Hampshire for this bullshit stupid. Oh no, that's right? every state. Look, every state has one, right? Everywhere does. In New York, it's illegal to keep a donkey in your bathtub. Merry Christmas! If you didn't know that, now you fucking do, right? It's against wow. the law. In Oklahoma, you can't hunt whale from a moving car. Oh, whales! Whales! That was an issue. No, Lanark State. This is a law here. In New Hampshire, you're not allowed to own a state mm -hmm. jesus no whale hunting from your car in oklahoma motherfuckers in new I'm hampshire what and that legislation does that conclude your life a lot of own a kangaroo um and i put in a bill four years ago to repeal the law saying that you couldn't collect seaweed on the beach at night like old dead seaweed that was just lying around on the beach that was part uh, of the new hampshire's dumbest law contest and a, a uh, classroom came in and said you know what? I mean, it, this has got to be the stupidest oh. law of all time. Illegal to fish for whales on Sunday in Ohio, people. Landlocked oh. state. Whoa. Well, Ohio does yeah. have Great Lake access. Great Lakes. Oh, I'm Are sorry. there freshwater whales uh, in that lake? Oh, my <laughs> God. Got freshwater whales. Oh. Freshwater whales is my new ska band. It's mine. Fuck off. Justin says that just means you can't pick up fat hookers in Tulsa. Um, <laughs> so, oh my gosh! So you said that you were you would you were making law or not making laws, but like putting in bills for uh, trying to get some of these things taken out. What are what are some of the other ones that you've done? Um, I think the most controversial one is is coming up this year, and it, it's going to be uh, Portugal style decriminalization of all drugs. Nice. And uh, you, you pushed, you like you introduced that. I just put it in uh, legislative services is drafting it, and I certainly expect to get some uh, news media coverage and probably a lot of backlash for it. I come from a district where the drug problem is a big problem, and while a lot of young people already know that it's it's the drug war causing the problem, it's drug prohibition causing the problem. You really have to get this out in uh, debate. There's a lot of angry and frankly stupid people out there who think that the drug war is going to work. And we kind of have to get this in the newspapers. We have to get the debate on social media. 
Um, we have to kind of get the facts and statistics out there and show them that the drug war is, is really what's made the drug problem into a, a national crisis. Portugal, by the way, cut heroin use by 50%. They cut heroin addiction rates by 50%. They drastically cut uh, drug overdoses, drug-related crime, um, and they have well, a 98% lower death rate from heroin than we do. Well, and what's even more interesting to me is when you look at the other the other um, benefits, right? Non-drug-related benefits, overall violent crime drops, mm -hmm. thefts drop, vandalisms drop, house breakings drop, a lot of other things are related to this. So yeah, you can say that it's just about ending the war on drugs, but really it isn't, right? It's about decreasing harm um, across the board. Well, and I've had, uh, I've, twice I've introduced a bill called Jesse McCassie's Law, which would have allowed, you see a lot of the countries in Europe, um, dimorphine clinics in uh, Switzerland, um, employment support in and and individual uh, programs, individualized programs in Portugal. Um, there are a lot of things that are that are working. Needle exchange programs worked to deter new heroin use, new drug use. Mm -hmm. when young people were walking through parks and cities and seeing that what the drug problem really looks like. They didn't want to get into it. It didn't look like Miami Vice anymore. It looked like something you didn't want to get anywhere near. And so a lot of these things that, that we want to do that work to reduce drug use, actually the war on drugs and making drugs illegal makes it impossible to solve those problems. Well, I think with heroin specifically, the government just doesn't want competition. Like we we own all those poppy fields. Well, I mean, own is a strong word maybe, but... Uh, <laughs> I, I definitely know a few guys that I served with that, that, uh, that guarded poppy fields mm -hmm. during a deployment. So one um, of the reasons that I'm running to bring the troops home on just that, that singular platform. Part of that is, sorry, the Facebook is going off again. It's okay. um, part of that is, uh, you know, heroin production under the old Taliban regime, which is kind of a restrictive theocratic regime, uh, definitely not a libertarian government but they had dramatically reduced heroin and opium output from Afghanistan. I'm and fairly opium. certain a theocratic dictatorship would do that because all those Abrahamic religions would say that that's a sin. Right. So, uh, Actually, uh, the, quite a few Christian libertarians uh, would argue that with you, and I'm also well, a Christian libertarian. I would, there's no, there are only 621 laws in the Bible. There's no prohibition in the Bible. So if God's smart enough, not to come up with prohibition, then we should be smart enough to heed the warnings. Don't come up with these laws. The founding fathers considered prohibitionary laws and they rejected them on civil liberties grounds. But they also, they'd seen the long history of the, the attempts to try to ban things. They'd read about Julius Caesar's food police who would kind of sneak around the city of Rome and look into your window and make sure that you're not eating too extravagantly. I mean, it, it's it's never worked. It's been tried thousands well, there are, of times. Right? There are clear yeah. bans on, on more things than I can count throughout the entire Old Testament. Um, I mean, very, very clear, well-stated, concise bans on multiple things. Um, so, I mean, definitely like, it comes from there. You could say like, uh, I it mean- It is gonna depend on your definition of Christianity though. Milk and certain things, yeah, but, uh, but those were almost always like health codes and things. I mean, you could argue if that's really prohibition or not. Um, Pork and shellfish are absolute were absolutely prohibition. Pork prohibition. So, God, two things. One that made sense. Like there was a logistical re or yeah, logistical reason why they needed sure. to do that. Two, again, it depends on if you are taking the Old Testament, which is a different religion to a lot of Christians, right? Uh, and saying that that is part of Christianity. And I mean, some true. of us are going to push back on that quite a bit. I mean, true, look, you can absolutely argue that those were health code things, but you could make the same argument uh, about prohibition of heroin, methamphetamine, mm -hmm. cocaine, right? This is a health thing. The ultimate thing is that um, nobody gets to decide what I put in my body but me, right? Right. I mean, I think that's, I, I was asked to give, you know, uh, uh, I think the question was put out there, how would you define libertarianism? And I gave two very simple answers. In other words, libertarianism to people who don't know what libertarianism is. You have the right to decide what to put into or take out of your own body uh, so long as you're not harming anyone else. And government should be as small and as decentralized as possible. 
And of course, the vast majority of people like that. I, I did get, I think, one negative comment on that. And they said, no, it's the non-aggression principle. And I said, well, for people who don't know anything about the NAP, for people who don't know anything about libertarianism, you know, I just explain those two things and then people just get it. I mean, I think for me, those two things, uh, personally, right, I, the, I would call them very libertarian light at best. I, I think you're erring on the milkier side of toast. And and Matt Kibbe kind of broke it down to um, don't hurt people and don't take their things. I, I think that is more in line with, with the heart and soul of libertarianism and the NAP maybe than, than what you're saying. And when you say the smallest government possible, um, that works for some libertarians, but that's that's not a universally accepted um, part of the philosophy. I don't, I don't think we'll ever get a universally accepted definition of libertarianism. Well, that's what I'm saying. You don't don't hurt people and don't take their things is pretty much a universally accepted definition. Respect yeah, that's, that's most common what I hear, and that's what I always say to people who are unfamiliar with it, because or something to the to the effect of you know it's basically the rules that you are taught as a very very young child before you even start school. You know, right? It's the golden rule: do unto others and shit. Why should those rules apply to government? Why shouldn't those rules apply to government officials? Why should they be able to exempt themselves? And I mean, you've got eighty thousand SWAT raids into people's homes every year. Nobody supports that, but they just do it, and they just it, the numbers keep escalating and escalating, and hundreds and hundreds of people have been killed, and thousands of people have been injured. And you, it would be illegal if you tried to do that, and it should be illegal if you tried to do that to your neighbor. But government just does it. Well, sure, and those are just the things we talk about, right? No, not raids. We talk about a lot. We really talk about the scarier shit, right? The shit like delayed entry warrants, where they can break into your house, make it look like a robbery, take everything they need to take to incriminate you without notifying you, without serving you with a warrant, and you only get served with a warrant later after you've been arraigned. This is the first I'm hearing of this absolute bullshit. It's legal under the RICO statute, so it's been legal for a really long time for them to use these delayed entry warrants. This is not new. This has been happening for years and years and years and years and years. Um, in, in many states, if you're arrested, not charged, not convicted, no probable cause hearing, but arrested, the state has a right legally to compel a DNA sample from you, run it through the computer, and check for cross hits. So no 14th Amendment anymore, right? No Fifth Amendment protections, warrantless search and seizure, the right to not self-incriminate it. All of that is gone. And, th and those are the things we're not talking about. Yeah, we're losing habeas corpus under the war on terror. The war on terror is absolutely the worst. Mm -hmm. the, the, right after September 11th, there were there were people, there was a poll that said 69% of people would, would get, they thought that freedom of speech and due process rights and the Bill of Rights should be eroded for, you know, for going after terrorists. But how can you how can you violate anything in the First Amendment and go after Osama bin Laden at the same time? It doesn't make any sense. Uh, it's trading away liberty for security and you get you get neither. You end up with an Orwellian police state. Uh, to reply to a comment, Jill Diletta, I hope I'm saying that right. This is live and it will always be on Facebook forever. And there will be an audio version that comes out later. It'll be everywhere. Everywhere. Um, so here's the deal. Normally we interact quite a bit with our chat. Um, I love you, Justin. You're being a little much right now, but a little let's, bit. Let's tone it down and and have a conversation here. I'll take ten percent off the top, but. <laughs> So, Look, I want to remind everybody that this is not um, a libertarian podcast, right? Mm, this is a podcast a, by libertarians, yeah. And and the there's a huge distinction there. And um, to re to say that another way, this is not the Libertarian Party podcast, uh, and we're not here to decide who is and it isn't a libertarian because I'm the only real one anyway. Fuck you, it's me. <laughs> um, so let's chill out and. Uh, <clears throat> I want to dive back in a little bit. Um, what do you hope to accomplish in the next um, the next session? Like you talked about some of the bills that you've put forward. Um, what do you hope to accomplish in in the next legislative session? Um, I do have another bill. Um, it's for all the people serving life in prison without possibility of parole. Some of it, it's first or second degree murder, but for some of them, it's possession of you know, possession of a nonviolent uh, drug offense. It's possession of a, 
to you us. Yep. Uh, people are serving life in prison for three strikes and you're out. People are serving life in prison for all kinds of things. And the idea is just to put in, a, 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 after you've served 25 years, just to allow a parole board to look over your case and see if it's not one of those exceptional cases. Um, whether it's the evidence that was kept out at trial um, or if it's uh, something where we've decriminalized it since then or we've reduced the penalty since then, uh, just kind of giving a, a, an extra shot for the parole board to make sure somebody's not actually serving life in prison when, uh, you know, that's kind of ridiculous for some of the. So I have a question. So I'm, I'm tracking the chat here and I apologize. Are you running for president? Yes, I am. I'm one of the libertarian candidates for president. Okay. Um, so then it then becomes wait, a question. Wait, you're, you're currently holding office as a Republican. Libertarian. Are, are you, you a registered libertarian, libertarian in New Hampshire? Yeah. I'm registered. You were elected as, as a libertarian? Hang on, let him answer. I'm, I'm serving as a libertarian legislator. <coughs> Excuse me. My libertarian uh, or my state legislative uh, webpage says libertarian um, and I'm running for president as a libertarian for libertarian nomination. Um, I've been helping libertarian uh, down ticket libertarian campaigns for, like I say, about 20 years now, starting with a Harry Brown campaign, of course, mm -hmm. um, who was not down ticket, but I've been helping down ticket campaigns for years. Um, and I've learned about tactical voting and I've learned about what works in down ticket races. Um, and I think that the presidential campaign, the presidential ticket, the primary purpose for minor parties is to help those down ticket uh, races. 2016, we had uh, 28 different legislative races where we had uh, three-way races and the Libertarian polled more than 25% in the no November election. And most people don't realize that we're viewed as a viable party until they see how well we're doing in legislative races. And those are the win those are the winnable races. We had a few that so won 30 plus. I'm confused though, Max, because you told me um, in pre-show that, that both times that you were elected, you ran as a Republican. So you ran as a Republican, but you're serving as a Libertarian. How does that happen? Um, in both 2014 and uh 2014 the only way that you could get onto the ballot as a libertarian you had to you had to get something like 250 signatures valid signatures which meant that you had to get almost twice as many um and i actually had uh, someone running as an independent try to do that in my district and he wasn't he wasn't able to get anywhere near that i do citizens petitions and you have to get signatures and it's hard getting even 50. um so I have friends in the Republican Liberty Caucus who are who are basically libertarians who run as Republicans and they say, you know, the ballot access laws in some states are just outrageous. So they'll just run as RLC to, to get in. But how are you how are you an elected liber libertarian when you didn't run as a libertarian? You, I'm getting literally you're an elected Republican, right? How are you registered right now? I guess is a lot of people's question. Uh, for state legislature as a libertarian. Okay. And as a voter yourself, you're um, because we lost ballot access in, in twenty. Uh, a lot of 18, voters in New Hampshire are unaffiliated. Well, but then you couldn't register as anything. <coughs> excuse me. In New Hampshire, you're either a political organization like the Republicans and Democrats, or you're basically sorry. You're either a political party or a political organization. A political organization may as well just be a. a a political action committee. It's it's really not. Right, but didn't the Libertarians have the ballot in 2018? Uh, we got it in 2016 because so, of my gubernatorial campaign. Right, but then you had it in 2018 and ran as a Republican anyway when you could have run as a liber Libertarian, correct? But I couldn't have gotten reelected. And there was different conversation, sure. Well, there was a lot of stuff going on in the LPNH that I haven't wanted to talk about. That's a lot of the dirty laundry that you're probably seeing on the the uh, side panel there. Um, and there was just, a, there was a lot of nastiness and a lot of abusiveness that came out. Um, and, um, there were a lot of liberty LP and H people coming into the LP and H who were saying, get out, get out of here. And almost all the libertarian friends I knew were saying, just run as a Republican. And then I had, uh, other people saying, well, you know, if you, 
we have a lot of libertarian, former Libertarian Party members serving in the state house right now in New Hampshire. So the only way you could vote to support them is if you voted in the Republican primary. That meant you had to run. I mean, it's it's so it's I such a I, it's such a huge. I mean, a thousand signatures to, to me seems really doable. Um, because we it's going to it's going to depend on the district. I mean, I live in an incredibly rural state. We have counties with more cattle than people, and we do it here. So I don't I don't so, believe we're that special and unique that it can't be replicated somewhere else. Um, if I let me jump in for a second. So I am um, probably the, the most uh, not giving a fuck on this one as, as opposed to our chat. Um, <coughs> I don't see a huge deal in someone who can't be a registered libertarian not being a registered libertarian. Right, but the, in 2018, you could could be a registered libertarian. And I was a registered 2017. I was a finally able to register as a libertarian voter because of my uh, campaign. <clears throat> but when I asked all the other libertarian, I don't just mean libertarian party members, but LPNH folks I knew, the longtime LPNH folks like Brendan Kelly and John Babiars and Rich Khan and some of the people you've known uh, for years. When I talked to my friends and even a lot of former libertarian candidates, they just flat out said, you know, looking at my district, just run as a Republican and just get your seat back. So that was it. So and at that point, though, why not run as a Republican and then do what, you know, Finney and Dyer did and come out and change your affiliation? He can't now. Well, you can. We've had people do it. Stalkov well, did it, Finney did it, Dyer did well, it. Well, I mean, as much as he's able to, he he has, though. Like, no, I mean, they officially changed their designator. Right, but that's no longer an option in the state, though. That's what right. I'm saying. You can no, but it was when he won, is what I'm saying. So you can, re this is what I did. So you can register as a libertarian, as, a, as, a, as an elected official in a partisan race, which I've done. But you can, you can also theoretically go to your town clerk's office, which I did, and register as a libertarian voter, but the secretary of state's office just kicks it back and says, right. you know, you're undeclared because that now it's, it's, it's not a political party anymore. It's right. like, a, like a, it's like a pack. It's, they auto independent you, know, you doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Um, I mean, shit, New York has ballot access and they still auto independent people over there. Cars they do it everywhere. Crazy about it. Yeah. They do it everywhere, and every state has their own weird, convoluted, like, college fucking hazing ritual mm. that they attach to ballot access. And that's what it is. It's college hazing. It, it's literally that just fucking ridiculous. But that's, that's what they do. Every state has their own weird little bullshit rituals. So, genuinely, uh, and I know this, this exchange has gotten a little more tense than we normally have on this show. Uh, genuinely, like... I am more concerned about the message. So, and I didn't actually know you were running for president. We so look, I, I, used to, I used to be more concerned about the message, but the problem is when you focus on that and then somebody who says, we'll use Bill Weld, for example, right? Cause he's been, oh, I just wanted to not talk about Bill Weld for a couple look, of days. Oh my God. If you go out and you say, I'm a Republican and here are all these good ideas. Yes, the liberty message is is getting across, but the GOP that is evil and vile and absolutely disgusting is getting credit for the good message. What what people see is, oh, the Republican Party isn't really what they say they are in their platform. They're this guy, and that's bullshit, and it's fraudulent, and it doesn't do anything but continue to prop up and support the GOP. Trent has, sorry, this is a really good comment. I still can't believe we can bank and do our taxes online, but we can't vote online. That dude, here's why. Take it from someone who's done this kind of stupid shit way too much. Anytime you have to use a government computer or access a government anything, you are asking for shit to not work. Yeah, like none of their shit ever works properly. And can you imagine if the entire country was trying to access it online? Remember that little <laughs> Obamacare website snafu? All right. Okay. Website. Well, you and not to mention that, like, you guys remember the big Equifax thing that just went down, right? Oh, yeah. I'm waiting for a much bigger settlement from that. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, breaches happen. Could you imagine if somebody breached the voter data? 
And it, it was did, so easy to manipulate if it was all electronic. It would just be a few keystrokes here, a few keystrokes there, and the fucking election is white to yeah. your advantage. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, that just popped into my head. We really uh, would have to worry about Russian hackers then, wouldn't we? <laughs> yeah, we would. Everywhere. So, um, I guess give us your, because we've had other presidential candidates on before, and we always try to give them that five-minute pitch. Yeah. Uh, give us your elevator pitch for your presidential run, then. Uh, I'm running to, to bring the troops home and the war on drugs and get back to the Constitution. Uh, but my, my main reason for running is that I, I really believe, I believe for, you know, all last 20 years, we have to have a presidential campaign who that works strictly to help get our down ticket candidates elected. We have so many legislative candidates and even house candidates and uh, some statewide candidates who are getting very, very close to getting elected. They're in their 10, 20, some of them 30%. Uh, we have a, a very good chance of building the Libertarian Party, uh, but we have to have offices opened up in the right areas. We have to have a presidential candidate who understands tactical voting. In other words, for US house races, for example, there are 170 U.S. House races that always go Democrat every year, no matter what you do. There are about 90 swing voting districts, and there are 170 House races that always go Democrat, no matter what. Or sorry, that always go Republican, no matter what you do. And if we if we focused our efforts using on uh, tactical voting on, for example, reaching Republican voters who live in entrenched Democrat districts, or reaching uh, Democrat voters who live in safe Republican districts. What we found is uh, we get a lot of those people not just voting libertarian for that specific race, but they continue voting libertarian year after year after year if they see that we're running active campaigns. And in fact, in Canada, Britain, and other first past the post countries, we consistently see that minor parties are able to do well and get people elected to uh, national government under first past the post if they use tactical voting. So you might have a city. Uh, city elections where Republicans never win anymore. We concentrate our efforts on some of those city races and college town races um, for legislature, for, for U.S. House of Representatives. Go to Republicans who live there first and say, hey, Republicans never win here, so you might as well vote Libertarian. We're going to be running active campaigns here and actually get people elected to state legislature and start changing the ballot access rules and uh, get criminal justice reform bills passed. But that so, only works if people run as libertarians. That doesn't that, work for us if you run as a Republican, Democrat, or an independent. Nothing. Well, nothing works in swing voting districts because the pressure turns up. Oh, yeah. I live in a swing voting district. So, in fact, almost all of New Hampshire is swing voting districts. So, it's, it's, I'm kind of not the great example. My district is certainly not a great example. It, uh, however, where I live on my ballot, uh, Rockingham County always goes Republican every year. The county races, the sheriff's races, the prosecutor's races. So I've talked to other libertarians in my area about why don't we focus on Rockingham County? That's on our ballot. So in the Rockingham County races, we convince Republicans and Democrats and independents to vote libertarian because you don't want to have these kind of entrenched one-party districts. The Democrats never win. They become disorganized. They can't even run candidates for sheriff and prosecutor sometimes. They can't even run candidates for county council. So that's a that's a case where on your ballot using tactical voting we can change the race change the dynamics into a libertarian versus republican race so that the whole county top to bottom can become competitive and democratic voters who don't necessarily like having you know republicans running absolutely everything and we had a lot of corruption in the county attorney's office um, over the last 30 years or so the way you can clean that up is build the libertarian party at the county level and uh, and get things changed. So you can get people who would normally vote a straight Republican ticket all the way down, but when they get to Rockingham County, they'll switch over and vote Libertarian. You'll get people who want to so, cost Republicans a seat, they'll vote Libertarian. So I'm familiar with this data, I'm familiar with tactical voting, but from everything I've read and everything I've seen and all the numbers I've seen, that it really only works the way you're describing it if there are only two parties. When you get a third party in, whoever that number 30 party is, um, they don't usually benefit, even in all the simulations. You have to bump them up. And don't you do that by um, seeking smaller seats and playing the long game? No, actually, it's just the opposite. Uh, tactical voting, uh, 
every country you look at, there's always some kind of business conservative party like the Republicans. There's always like a socialist party that very quickly becomes corrupt. It, you know, they start out by, we'll steal from the rich and give to these poor people. And eventually they're just stealing from everybody and they're just padding their pockets. That, that always happens. Sure. And the, how do the minor parties succeed in first past the post countries? They always go for the, you know, the few winnable districts where their message kind of catches on and they can add the minor party out party voters and then they can add up the one issue voters who care about something that we care about. So, for example, we care about ending the war on drugs, bringing the troops home, civil liberties, Internet privacy, criminal justice reform. All of those things are big vote winners. Sure. Every, uh, every libertarian agrees with, you know, those fundamental things. And yet, and those voters who realize they live in an entrenched Democrat area or an entrenched Republican area, they also care. They don't want to end up a one-party district. You don't want to end up like Massachusetts or, or now New York and New Jersey. They're Oklahoma. Um, yeah. Or, or look, Utah. I, I, I get it, but yeah, we're a 70% Republican supermajority. Um, Obama didn't take one county here uh, and, and neither did Hillary Clinton. Um, and I agree with you ish, right? Except the countries that you're using um, to kind of look at, uh, they operate on a parliamentary system, which is very different from the system we have. And that absolutely influences that. I mean, I think here in Oklahoma, we got ballot access in 2016, we hold three seats today. Um, and we didn't do it. The, the method that you're describing has never worked here. What did work here, and what I'm seeing work other places, is you pick a, a, a race that is winnable. You look at, um, hopefully there's only you and a Democrat or you and the Republican, right? You look at the win number, um, and you knock every door, and you canvas, and you really, really, really campaign, and you pick small local races, things like city council or school board or water board, and start winning those. Water That's, board. Yeah, that's how you get in. Um, in Florida, there's a um, no pun intended. Yeah, right. It it well, uh, it probably is horrible, but um, those are the seats you go for. County commissioners are a little more difficult, so you pick the easier ones, right? And then you play the long game out because that tactical voting stuff, the way you're describing it, really only works well um, in our type of system. If you're the number two party in a parliamentary system, it's a very different system. So yeah, it works there, but it wouldn't work here that way. So um, actually, so it has nothing to do with parliamentary systems. It has to do with de Verger's law. De Verger didn't say two parties per country. He said two parties per district. In other words, what happens right. in wherever you happen to live, what ends up happening over time in one particular area is Two parties kind of rise to the top politically and all the other smaller minor parties just kind of get marginalized. We're getting marginalized everywhere. But tactical voting, when when somebody goes through there and say, this is your ballot. And once voters realize, OK, this race, this race, this race, this race, these always go Republican. So there's no point in spending any time on these. But if you find out once those voters find out, hey, this is, these are going to be libertarian versus Republican districts from now on, once you've laid that groundwork, once you put the handouts out, once you've done the door hangers, then those voters tend to vote just for those races, mind you. They tend to vote libertarian year after year after year. Now, for down ticket races, it's completely different. You've got to run as a team. Um, if you've got four legislators running in one area, all four have to run together as a team if you want to take all four, all four seats. But that's another reason why tactical voting works really well if you're just taking you know a handful of the 170 entrenched democrat house districts and a handful of the 170 entrenched republican districts once voters realize <coughs> okay they live in a lib dem district then those same school choice voters small business voters taxpayers gun owners people who might normally tend to vote republican to keep the democrats out when they see that only the Libertarian Party is really running active campaigns, running as a team, running really good campaigns, they'll, they won't just vote Libertarian that year. They'll vote Libertarian for a whole group of races every single year, year after year after year, and they'll tell other Republicans coming in to do that. So sure, if it's, it's sure. Nice. If you can make those libertarian candidates the number two candidates, if you can out campaign the Republicans that are running out, spend them out, promote them, 
have bigger visibility, sure. But again, you would have to push the libertarian candidates that slate into that number two spot. And there are parts of the country where the Libertarian Party is already number two. And there are even places like Washington, D.C., where the Republican Party, under its own ballot access rules, has kind of dropped off the map. They're not even on ballot. Those are just right. versus Libertarian. And where we're finding Libertarians getting the highest vote totals automatically, you know, just kind of a, the largest base, is where they're, they're in a nice, simple Libertarian versus Republican or Libertarian versus Democrat. And sure. other parties are seeing that, too. Well, but, yeah, we we uh we saw that in Nebraska. I think was it Ben's race where he took like thirty five. Yeah, 40%? yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a big. Deal. Um, John Yider in Oklahoma, forty one percent for state auditor, right? Um, because it was him and just a Democrat. I think uh, is it Anthony Welty is doing that out yep. in what Washington? Washington, yeah, mm -hmm. state. He's running for tax commissioner, and it's a job that no one else really wants. So he's up against the incumbent. I'm from Washington, and we just call it Washington. And almost oh, everywhere well. else in the country, they say, well, it's Washington State. Is that Washington well, State? One of the things I didn't like about moving out, you know, back east was everyone is like, oh, you mean Washington State? No, I mean the real Washington, not the Washington <laughs> City. I mean, we're in Nebraska, so it's like splitting it. Well, in Oklahoma, yeah. but it's like we're halfway between them. Really. Right. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but that, How long is your legislation, legislative session there, Max? Uh, it's two years. Uh, I do have... A few other bills that I've I've got in. Uh, I don't know if you remember Damo Freeman when he was uh, he, he did the uh, the phone call to the Manchester School District. He got prosecuted and convicted under felony wiretapping. Now he lives with a felony conviction. Well, that hurts not just independent media but also mainstream media. So I have a bill in to reduce that felony. I don't think the law should be there at all, but uh, reduce the felony down to a misdemeanor, and you might still have some journalist. Uh, get uh, convicted, but uh, at least it would just be community service and you wouldn't have a felony conviction on your record. Why go for the reduction to misdemeanor as opposed to outright uh, repealing the law? Um, we've tried repeals over and over and over again. And um, I mean, I even had a, I even had a bill in to lower the drinking age, effectively lower the drinking age to 18. But you go up against that House Criminal Justice Committee, and they're kind of they're prohibitionists. Some of a few of them are neocons. Some of them are just in the back pockets of the prison industry, and a lot of them just kind of say, you know, I don't like the idea of somebody calling me and then recording a phone message. And some of them are like 80 years old, and they just don't they don't get the issue. So we haven't been able to get. A complete repeal of this law, or to change New Hampshire to you know to a one-party consent state, but uh, sometimes if you can't get rid of a law outright, you can at least defelonize it, get something from a Class B missed Class B felony down to a Class B. I guess I'm just shocked because New Hampshire, I always think of as being far more progressive, but Oklahoma is a single single-party consent consent state, so it kind of shocks me. Two two-party consent states are typically Democrat. It's kind of weird, right? So there's a bit of a history. So I've always, I say to, to locals when I go door to door, basically the Democrat party just, you know, their instructions come from the top down uh, with the Republican party. Uh, it's more like a, like a peer pressure. Your seatmates are kind of leaning on you. Oh, you got to vote against this. So you got to vote against that. You get, you get tons and tons of emails from your constituents, um, which is, you know, I looked at those two options and I said, I'm, I'm not going to run as a Democrat. All the Democrats, they vote the way they're told. Steve Shirtlip puts his thumb up like that. All the Democrats switch their vote in the House to yes, puts his thumb down like that. They all switch their vote to no. Um, however, the, the result is the Republican Party. I hate talking about the Republican Party like it's a group because it's just kind of like everyone else. It's like herding house cats, at least in, in, our, in our legislature, because you could get, you know, basically soft libertarians, you could get hard libertarians, you could get defense conservatives, social conservatives, economic conservatives, you get anything, you can get anything. You can get uh, complete rhinos, you can get uh, Nixon, uh, you know, law and order types who want to just ban everything and they're, you know, worse than Democrats. So it, the Republican brand is, is kind of really, really milk toast. 
um, because you have no idea what you're getting. It, it's great if you're running for office because you can, you know, vote to protect the Constitution all the time. But it's a it's a bad deal if you're a voter and you want to know what you're getting because you have no idea what you're getting if you're voting Republican. Yeah, you guys think our platform is bad? Have you seen theirs? What's that? A lot of libertarians think that our the libertarian platform is long. Um, I, I, I might, might be one of them, but the, the Republican platform? I think the libertarian platform is about the right size. Like I say, it's it's four pages. I could probably get it down to two pages if I really you know had to without fiddling with the fonts. Um, but, I mean, it, it says pretty much everything about libertarianism all the current event issues that come up and you know there's no i don't think there's any need to make it any longer uh but if you can't read a four-page platform uh the new hampshire republican party's platform that just the led you know the state party is about four pages and nobody complains that that's too long or too short in fact i think probably two or three pages, probably about the right length. Well, the National Republican Party platform is like 137 pages. You guys. I thought it was like 50. I think it's something, it's something crazy. Yeah. That's ridiculous either way. Even if it's only 50, that's like way crazy. How long is our national? Do we have one? Four pages. Yes, yeah, four oh. pages. Okay. This is Dre not paying attention to the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, what's, what's Nebraska's state platform like? Because you know, I don't know. <laughs> I um, that is the part of the Libertarian Party I pay no attention to because I don't give a fuck. I'm gonna. I'm going to tell people what I think libertarianism is, and you do your version. I'll do mine. Um, but as my post said today, if you're advocating people coming to my house, I hope you fucking die because you're evil. <laughs> With guns. Sorry. I left out that oh very important God. two words. Oh yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> with men with guns coming hard. to my house. If you advocate that, you're evil. I knew Please. you'd catch it. Oh. I mean, our state party platform, um, to Christy Howard's credit, largely, uh, she, she tried to take all the conversation, right? Everything everybody was saying and and condense this. It's It's one page. Yeah, Trent, we were saying that earlier, that that's basically what most libertarians we know, and that's what I say to people is don't hurt people, don't take their stuff, basically treat people how you want to be treated. That's our stance, those are our principles, and that is libertarianism in a very, very small nutshell. When so, I run for local office, I just use the harm principle. If somebody asks me what I'm for, you know, it's, you know, there's the downsized government. Get everything down to the local level, we'll take care of problems at the local level. And that's very popular. I'd say 80% of people in my area support that. And when they ask about uh, social issues, I just say, you know, the harm principle, which is if you're not harming anyone else, my opinion is government should leave you alone. And then, and and people around here tend to get that. You know, it's, it's very simple, maybe a little oversimplified, but it's very simple language. Uh, you know, talk like regular people. And especially if you're running for planning board or, or, you know, city council or town council or, or, or some race where you're coming up with town ordinances. I think the harm principle is really simple. I, I did a video on why I prefer explaining the harm principle to the non-aggression principle, because the, the harm principle is something that <coughs> that you don't have to explain. You're not going to have a big, long argument about it. And you're not going to have, you know, 50 different libertarians with 50 different interpretations. It's some developer comes in with a project and it, it either harms other people or it doesn't. If it doesn't, it's not hurting anyone else. Why shouldn't your neighbor be able to put a house up on uh, their property if you've got a house on your property? It's your land. You know, so it doesn't, you know, the fireworks issues, the noise issues, people bring those up. I just say the harm principle. Right. So um, we're coming up on about 50 minutes and we are. So here's the deal. We're trying to cut our, our shows a little shorter because my computer can't handle hour-long episodes and rendering so uh give us kind of your your one minute go home and uh we'll we'll get out of here uh just very simple get government out of everything get government out of schools get government out of your bedroom get government out of your email inbox your phone messages your personal life your your paycheck your business just get government out of everything i think that's that's a simple messaging we came up with uh, liber in the libertarian party of washington uh about 20 years ago, I think it was very effective. 
And uh, I, I think people like that. When I talk to people who are not necessarily very political, get government out of everything works, explains everything. All right. That sounds good. Uh, thank you for coming on. And uh, I do feel like this is as confrontational as we've ever gotten with a guest. So uh, thank you for being pleasant with it and hanging in there. And uh, I'm Aaron, you know. <laughs> Aaron, I'm very proud of you because I know you like to go in a little harder than that normally. <laughs> well, you know, honestly, um, yeah, I, I like to ask hard questions and I like to get those answers. And I think it's important for our viewers, but I, I kind of felt like our chat was was vicious almost enough. abusive and I, yeah and I, mean, I, I felt bad that's yeah, what the all... has turned into i mean it, it i never saw this in the libertarian party ever in my in my whole life until about 2015 2016. it's just really just it's a small number of people I, I mean i think you can ask the hard questions without being mean and really I mean, I, max do you feel like we asked you some hard questions that like we dug a little bit and pushed a little bit yeah much better than a much better uh, exercise um it's like the stairmaster instead of the treadmill <laughs> look you're talking to a fat man i'm gonna need you to put that in terms i can understand please <laughs> <laughs> all right well thank you for coming on and uh uh, thank you for watching us when you're when you're coming in and commenting and and being uh, the kind of the life of the party sometimes. Um, did I miss a confrontation? It wasn't really a confrontation. It was as close as I typically let this podcast get, though. I'm not a, yeah. I'm not into confrontations. Um, so yeah, uh, thank you for coming on, everyone. Shit. Thursday we have Aaron Lewis running. Right. Uh, mayor of New Hampshire. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, everyone, tune in because I will be absolutely fucking hammered because that's my birthday. Happy birthday! <laughs> it's gonna be hilarious. It's I, I have I have the four days after that off because I took Friday off because I knew I would get hammered, and then I found out we had Columbus Day off. So, gonna celebrate murdering a bunch of indigenous people. That'll be fun. God. All right, Range Day Friday. Oh yeah, and Range Day. I'll have to sober up a little bit for that. I think. A little bit, just for yeah. an hour or two. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for coming on, Max. Everyone else, we'll see you later. Bye-bye, guys. Thank you. I just did Josh Smith's thumb thing, and I feel like I just hate my...